Hello and welcome to another episode of iLink News You Can Use. My name is Taylor McKenzie and I have with me today Kamal Hussein, Managing Director and Head of Fixed Income Strategies at CFL, Todd Wacker, Vice President and Director of Member Strategy here at FHL Bank Atlanta, and Scott Brennan, Senior Vice President and Director of Sales here at FHL Bank Atlanta to talk about 2023 and what to look for in 2024. Excellent. Well, Kamal and Scott are joining me today, and I think many of our our listeners have probably seen Kamal uh, on a stage at an association event or a webinar even that we've hosted or he's hosted. Um, We're really, really excited to have Kamal here today to discuss um, really, you know, what members should be thinking about. uh, You know, I say members, you know, our, our membership base, but they should be thinking about, you know, as we enter the new year, um, kind of given what has happened in 2023 and then the outlook, you know, into 2024. Uh, I think Kamal, too, at some point today is going to tell us exactly, you know, when the yield curve is going to steepen, exactly when the recession will hit, and exactly when the Fed makes a move. So we're really just counting on Kamal to answer a lot of those uh, questions and really, you know, pave the way for our members to, to have it easy in 2024. Is that fair, Kamal, to say? Todd, very fair. And uh, also, I'll be getting into uh, the winner of the Super Bowl, um, the election next year. Um, so yeah, we're going to get right into it. Excellent. And so for those of you that don't know Kamal, I think just one fair piece to add in here is, you know, Kamal's role, you know, Stiefel focuses in on, you know, strategies for banks and credit unions um, and, and fixed income. Uh, but also, you know, we, we look at Kamal as having a bit of street cred or, uh, uh, you know, having been on the other side of the table, Kamal, um, you know, with your former role at a regional bank, um, it's kind of nice that you've, you've been on both sides and can kind of talk, you know, you know, based on your experience, uh, what maybe what you, you would do, uh, if you were still in those shoes or, or, you know, what you have done in the past, um, so, uh, so to kick this off, um, I thought, Kamal, we might just keep on a trend that we started on our last podcast, and that's, you know, adding a, a travel story. Um, you know, Scott and I let off last week with a couple travel stories that uh, maybe highlighted the less glamorous side to being on the road, and I know you've been on the road uh, even probably more than we have. So, I don't know if you had maybe a, a short story to share with us, you know, a time that you know, you got served chicken instead of fish or, um, you know, you lost your hotel room key or maybe you went to the wrong hotel completely. So do you, do you have something you can share with us, Kamal? I, I, have, I have one that's a good one. Uh, I, have, I have one that I'm not going to go into, which was a little odd. I was at MIA and I'm on the phone with a client sitting there waiting for the flight. And a security guard starts running through the uh, through the middle, saying "run." And I guess there was, you know, a potential problem in the lobby. I don't know if they thought there was, you know, something that could be problematic. And so that was a little scary. We got uh, taken that de- run down the steps, and we were on the runway. Um, so that was a little bit sketch. Um, but my better story is. Um, uh, we, I was at a, uh, a Stiefel KBW conference um, in, and uh, it was a long day. It was an investor day. Uh, we met with uh, a lot of clients, probably had 15 meetings that day. Uh, there, the, the meeting started the next morning at 8 a.m. And 
it's about 1230 getting back up to the room. And as I do that, somebody pulls a fire alarm. And oh. everybody has to, you know, everybody's waiting, you know what I mean? Hoping that they wave it off five minutes, 10 minutes, and then like, oh no. And so we all run down the steps. And so I had pulled back on uh, a sweatshirt and jeans, what I wear on the flight, you know what I mean? To, yep. to run back downstairs. And I'm standing there and uh, I'm just, you know, it's kind of dark, kind of not. And I, I look to my right and one of the, uh, most well thought of CEOs in the Southeast is standing right to my right. And he is still in what I would have to call his pajamas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, like the night shirt, like, you know, <laughs> the <night shirt laughs> deal. and so, um, so we sat there chatted for 10 or 15 minutes and it was great. Um, so uh life on the road and life in the hotels um you know as you said can't, you know oftentimes isn't that glamorous uh, well thank you sharon i think scott that was very similar to your story that could have been you it could have been me um so so was he wearing a nightcap or or just just the just the pjs i mean i i think he even had the little candle you know that's what i mean that's what i, I mean. think it was the whole thing yep. Oh, that that's great. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing, Kamal. And um, all right, so we will move into uh, really the the more content side to this now. And um, you know, Kamal, maybe you know, I mean, our 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 member institutions that are listening to this, they 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 live twenty twenty three, so we don't need to to spend too much time on it. But we'll spend a little bit of time. And really, I, actually, I want to start maybe even two years before that because I think two trends that happened 21 and 22 and i'd love to hear what your your thoughts are on these but they, they get kind of get forgotten about um because of 20 you know march of 23 and this those are kind of what got us what got these balance sheets in the positions they are in um you know before anything happened this year even before you know even before SVB, but, you know, before rates really moved up. And that's the you know, 2021 we had, you know, in, in, into 2022, we had the securities purchases, uh, such a big wave of that, you know, repositioning or really deploying liquidity. And then 22, um, you know, I always say that's the forgotten year of asset growth because it's, you know, that was a, such an, you know, strong, excellent year for the industry that we all work in. And I think, you know, it all of a sudden, it didn't get as much applause um, because the earnings season was right, you know, right there around the time of SVB's disruption. So um, maybe you could help us just with setting up, you know, balance sheets as they got into 23. And then, um, you know, maybe talk about, you know, some of the, the, the major impacts that you saw when we got, you know, into the SVB disruptions and, and, um, you know, things that kind of the offshoots from that. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. The The challenges we have right now are all significantly more than they would have been because of, A, the fact that rates were so low for so long, and then B, not COVID itself, but PPP. No, yeah, everyone expected that there would be a lot of loans and that actually liquidity would be under pressure. If you remember, as PPP started, no one really realized that PPP in a lot of ways was almost going to turn into a quasi tax refund, right? It didn't turn into money going out. It turned into money coming in. And so there was so much liquidity that came into the system around COVID and PPP 
that it led everyone to, in a very, very low rate environment, to have to do something with the cash. And inherently, that is what has lent to the challenges we have today. The fact that rates were so low led to a lot of fixed rate lending because borrowers wanted fixed rate loans. And the fact that there was so much cash coming in, clients needed, members needed to do something with that cash. And typically that would take the form of securities, short or long. And because rates have gone up so much, so fast, inherently we run into the margin challenges we have for 23 and then going into 24. So, you know, as a result of, of that, are you still seeing um, any of your clients uh, put on any loss trades? The, 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 the loss or impact trade is extremely popular, Scott. Um, the, the truth is, is that uh, it, was it was already going in the first quarter and we had a lot of planes in the air in uh, March but when the Silicon Valley thing happened, everything stopped and everyone had to go to why am I not Silicon Valley? Why am I not going to lose? You know what I mean? Why am I not going to run out of money in the next 30 minutes? And so for three months, essentially, we couldn't run the business. We just had to answer those questions. Um, it started back in the third quarter, uh, the loss room back trades. And here in the fourth quarter, um, it's been very, very heavy. Um, on the public bank side. Um, I think that the first quarter, uh, it will be heavy, uh, heavier on the private bank side and on the credit union side. I think on the public bank side, they're looking at the year saying, okay, it is what it is, it's not that great. We don't have any momentum going into next year. Let's try to use this transaction to do that. That's kind of the public bank situation. The private bank and credit union situation is, look, it's been an okay year. Um, let's get through this. Uh, we see all the public banks doing this. Let's budget and socialize taking a loss um, in the first quarter and, and go from there. I think that um, the, the private banks and the credit unions really need to you know, socialize taking a loss a little bit longer. Um, it, it's kind of different culturally for them. And so they need to walk through and understand if it's the right thing for them. Kamal, can you pretend for a second that I don't know why I would do a loss trade and explain w the reason why? I mean, I, I assume it's to get myself ready to earn more in the future, but give me the, give me the 101 real quick. The, it really simply comes down to, I own a bunch of two to 4% securities and loans. And I now have to fund them at five and a half percent. It's pretty much that simple, right? I, so all over the over those years, we put on assets that were fixed between two percent securities and four percent loans, round numbers. And with Fed funds going from zero to five-ish so quickly, the 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 asset side hasn't had time to reprice because it, it just happened so fast. And so Clients are looking at the situation saying, okay, if rates aren't going to go down on the funding side so that those 2% uh, securities and 4% loans make us money like they were doing, 
and I don't have anything else to do with my capital because I'm not buying back stock, I'm not doing M&A, why don't I sell the securities, take a loss as my use of capital, and then use that as a driver of earnings next year? Because on most of these transactions, we're able to add 10, 15, 20 basis points to the net interest margin next year. And so that's the profitability side of it. You've also got the, the, the funding side of it, which is there's an immense amount of pressure, as everyone knows, around the cost of funds and the access to liquidity. So again, why are we going to continue to fund non-strategic assets, typically securities, and pressure the overall funding base uh, with wholesale funding that's costing me 5%. And so the clients are, are, are walking through that and thinking, you know what, if people feel good about me making capital investments with an earn back period of two to three years, be that in a branch, be that in M&A, uh, then if I do a securities transaction with the similar metrics, am I wrong? And the answer is, is no, you're not wrong. I, um, I, we, we've got some different slides that um, we can get to you guys to get to the membership that shows that at least for the public banks that have done it and announced it publicly, either in earnings or via an 8K, the market's reaction has been favorable, except for Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley had its own you know, unique situations, but for vastly everyone else, there's been a, okay, let's get rid of this overhang and then move forward. So Kamal, as you work with institutions um, kind of now in this post Silicon Valley world, you know, I think I heard someone th th just this past week say that, you know, Silicon Valley was, you know, unlike 99% of the institutions out there, but now, but now they're, you know, everyone's going to get regulated just like there are a Silicon Valley. What, what are you running into or what are you having to change your advice to institutions, uh, whether it's on liquidity or contingent funding or um, picking better strategic partners? Uh, you know, where, do, where do you go with this when people come in and say, what, we don't want last March to happen at our institution. Come all help us. Yeah, uh, sad but true in that uh, there are very few institutions that had the uh, depositor concentration and lack of granularity of the Silicon Valley. And at its core, I really feel like that was why that happened. There's a lot of other conversations about, you know, other reasons it happened, but that, I think, in my opinion, and at this point in the game, vastly in the opinion of most, was the reason why. So given that, there now has become an onus on the membership to present as to what their deposit granularity is and where their concentrations are and making sure that, you know, simply stated, under, a, under any circumstance, if you're uninsured, uncollateralized deposits leave, do you have coverage if they leave in the next 15 minutes, right? Through the home loan bank, through brokered CDs, through other unpledged assets. If, if, those, if that amount, I think that 
the regulators are really looking for a, a good analysis of what those numbers are on both sides, right? It's a bit of an LCR calculation, a liquidity coverage ratio calculation, um, but I mean, actually, in my opinion, probably a little bit better and more, more practical for the vast membership. Uh, but have we identified what our uncollateralized uninsureds are? Do we understand for the larger ones what the risk is of them leaving and under what circumstances that would occur? And then if it does, do we have access to FHLB? Do we have access to brokered CDs? Do we have access to unpledged assets to give us coverage? Is that, Kamal, is that coming in the way of reporting to the regulators or is it anecdotal through the examination process? But Scott, I would say both. I think that, you know, on or around the time of Silicon Valley, uh, clients surely were getting inbounds, you know, are you okay? You know, are you looking at this? And then on a go forward basis, um, surely with, you know, safety and soundness examinations, this is going to be the first question. This has to be the first question. In, in, in deference to the regulators, they can't have this happen again, right? So as a membership, we have to know that this is the first question. We need to be prepared to answer it. And again, it, it gets down to preparation. You know, Have clients looked at their uh, collateral el eligibility? Have they worked with your collateral team? Have they optimized all those things? Do they have access to uh, the BTFP? Do they have brokered CD documents in place? Have they looked at their, uh, have they done um, analysis of uh, which securities or which loans they could sell if they needed to? Those are all things that the members have to know are coming and they have to be prepared. I mean, these are kind of R&D things that, you know, from day to day fires, we don't have time to do, but you've got to have time. You, you, you need to make time to do it because when they come and they ask you, if you don't have the answer, it's, it's going to cost you, you know, you're going to get put in the box and that's just the way it's going to be. Scott, how have your conversations changed even the second half this year? I know you get pulled in with a lot of different members of all different sizes by the relationship managers. Um, do you feel like even, you know, the FHLB message has changed kind of based on what Kamal is talking about? You know, I think Kamal has hit the nail right on the head and, and we've seen it at our bank since March, really the amount of our members that have positioned, been positioning themselves to have as much collateral in place as possible. Um, and we've also seen members borrowing to cover uh, uninsured deposits. So, you know, I mean, echoing what Kamal said, if those deposits were to walk out the door tomorrow, what we're seeing is that our members value on balance sheet liquidity more than access to liquidity. So, you know, it's it's led to a bit of a heightened advanced demand right now because it's they're they're wanting to show it on balance sheet and it's starting to balance itself out as we approach a year end and we've seen it at quarter ends too where we've seen some advances you know leave that have been there intra-quarter mostly for reporting purposes but um but no that's that's spot on and and we've seen securities move both you know to the home loan banks um to the btfp we've seen collateral arrangements between us and the fed so that we can carve out collateral that that uh, isn't eligible to be pledged here, but we have a blanket against. 
so that that can be liquefied um, at the Fed. So, you know, when when there's when there's challenges like like we saw earlier this year, uh, you see sort of liquidity providers lock arms and make sure that that the membership has access to as many areas of liquidity as possible. Should sort of that you know red herring event happen. All right, Kamal. So you spend a lot of time with executive management teams, boards of directors, um, and this is strategic planning time. So you know, share with with the audience here um, some of what you're hearing and some of what you're sharing with your clients. Great question, Scott. I I think that you know clients are generally cautiously optimistic, I guess, around where loans and deposits are going to be for next year. Deposits have been relatively stable, right? And notwithstanding all the press and stuff like that, um, the membership has done a good job serving their customer base around deposits. So um, they're stable in volume, but cost is increasing. And so margin pressure is there um, for sure. As an offset, not maybe a good offset, you know, my sense of it is, is that loan growth as a broad statement, isn't that great um, going into next year. I think for smaller institutions, just because they're smaller from a percentage perspective, law large numbers is in their favor. And so getting seven, 10, you know, 12% loan growth, if you're a billion dollar institution is a lot different than if you're a $10 billion institution. And so I think for the smaller companies, my sense is they might be able to get to their, their asset targets um, and hopefully fund that core. That said, that's not for everyone. And so around that, beyond the loss earn back, clients as a mechanism to drive liquidity and drive profitability are also looking at a few other things. Uh, number one, sale lease back of branches. Uh, one, of the, one of the members uh, in Atlanta did a sale lease back of branches um, that was announced um, earlier uh, earlier this year. Um, that's one thing. Um, Visa B shares uh, for any of the banks credit unions. Uh, Visa announced an exchange around their Visa B shares. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the brain damage around it, um, but if you have Visa B shares, um, uh, reach out and, and let's talk about it because their value has gone up a lot and there are some complications around going through the exchange. And then the other th uh, thing that's being done now is uh, uh, transactions around bowling. So there's a combination on the balance sheet of loss earn back transactions, BOLI transactions, visa B transactions, and sale lease back transactions that are all being looked at as a supplement of what's going on in the core institution on loans and deposits. So people are looking at, you know, if I have a lot of loan growth, maybe I am supposed to sell some securities to help fund that, right? If I don't have a lot of NIM drive, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm supposed to do a loss earn back to help me with NIM drive, right? If I'm coming under, uh, if I have a lot of loan growth, but I'm not going to be able to fund it, maybe I'm supposed to do a sale lease back of branches, right? To get me some more cash to be able to do that as a supplement to what I'm doing with my FHLB advances and my broker CDs. I think it's really important. People are looking at the uh, 
income numbers and the balance sheet numbers around uh, 2024, 2025, 2026, but also think about the other ratios. Where are we gonna be on funding? Where are we gonna be on uh, wholesale funding percentages, use of different things, securities to assets, all those kind of things. And then based on that, you can then look at these other strategic transactions to help you get back into position. Um, 24, if we don't have a, a, a change in the uh, interest rate environment, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a challenging year, right? It's gonna be a challenging year. And so in and around that, looking at the breadth of these transactions um, in partnership with um, the liquidity providers um, like yourselves um, is going to be important for sure. Kamal, thank you for your insights on this. This has been really helpful. Um, Scott, do you have anything else you want to ask of Kamal? Does he have maybe a prediction for college college playoffs we can hit that and, and we can be real quick here kamal um you know in, in a few sentences if if you're cfo at, at one of our member institutions you know what what are you doing what's what's what are you what are you thinking 2024? I, I would really i would really make sure that as you're looking at the the one three and five year strategic plan that you're very aware of how those loan and deposit changes are going to affect your interest rate risk and liquidity risk. Right. We, we have to stay in control of the business. And if we're not responsive to those questions, we're not going to be in control of the business. And that's really a key, key thing. Kamal, just one question off of that topic. Do you think institutions are as ready for interest rates moving down as up i know a lot of the exam examinations this year have been focusing on the up shocks fixed rate assets what happens and now here we are flipping the script um and you know the my immediate thought always is is you know the lower deposit cost and margins spread back out but are institutions ready for this to happen that's a that's a terrific question the the clients know that vastly longer term, they lose in rates down. And so they know that they need to allocate to assets, be that securities or yields in the current environment so that you can get 6%, 7%, 8% asset yields. You can't have a 4% margin if your asset rate is four. <laughs> But the challenge is, is that people are under so much pressure or they feel, I, I think a lot of it's perceived as much as is actual, but they feel so much pressure around their liquidity position. They're very hesitant to make allocations into securities and loans at these yield levels. And so, um, Todd, the, the clients know that. They're just not sure what to do about it. The forward-looking ones are trying to break the cycle and make the allocations here. Because if you don't, when rates go back down, you're gonna get your NIM is gonna go right back down to where it was. Um, but that's uh, I, I wouldn't say it's bold, but it does take some amount of bravery, right? Given what's going on right here, um, you can see that in prices, the prices of securities, the yields of securities, and the yields on loans. Spreads are wide. The reason spreads are wide is because nobody's buying. 
right? And so if you are the one to step forward and say, I will do that. And look, if you can do that in your loans, do that in your loans for sure, okay? But don't let the opportunity, and look, with this rally that we've had in rates, some of it's potentially already gone by if it doesn't come back. But if you have the opportunity to get to good locked out 7% and 8% assets, you need to get there. Excellent. Thank you, all. Really appreciate you joining us. This has been excellent. This is definitely, I think, Scott, maybe a, a top three podcast of ours. Um, so out of three so far, Kamal. So we're definitely in the top three. And, you know, maybe use any closing thoughts you have. Maybe you tell us, you know, if Alabama hoists a trophy coming up again or if, um, you know, anything else you wanted to share with us as we sign off this week. Kamal. Todd, thanks. Uh, most people know I'm a, I'm a big Bama man. Um, and so definitely happy uh, that Bama got in the playoffs. Uh, that said, uh, you know, our friends in Florida uh, are in the district. And uh, I, I honestly uh, love Jordan Travis. And I'm sorry the kid got hurt. And I'm really sorry about how all this went down. Um, but uh, I hope to, that, that we're able to uh, properly represent the region um, in, the, uh, in, the, in the college football playoff. So I guess that'd be number one. And then um, number two, um, as Todd said, I am a, uh, a, a longtime uh, a member myself um, when I was a member of uh, bank management. And I do want to close by uh, telling you the membership that I don't know where uh, the proposal around FHLB usage is going in the future, but um, I want to say as someone that's been there and been there, uh, was there in some good times and in some very bad times, um, the FHLB is a tremendous partner. And uh, in 24 or 25, whatever advocacy we as a membership need to bring forward to make sure that they are there for us for borrowing, we need to do it and we need to do it aggressively, very aggressively. Um, so I, I appreciate uh, Todd Scott, the opportunity. Um, again, I, I, uh, my relationship with FHLB Atlanta now goes back 30 years. Uh, so I just want to wish everybody all the best uh, for 24 and a great holiday season for 23. Great, Kamal. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Kamal. This has been great.